0: Welcome to The Hot Seat Powered by Affordable Staff. David Judge here, and we're at episode seven of the first season of The Hot Seat, where we talk to industry influencers that have worked hands-on in the real estate industry. We find out where these influencers see current and future trends, and what you can do about it to support and grow your business. Now, there are nine episodes, so there are two left in the first season, and each episode is released every second Tuesday guaranteed. Now, today's guest is Michael Furlong from Rent Roll Maximizer, and he shares his journey from hospitality to property management. Now, I have to tell you at the very beginning that this is going to be a very controversial hot seat uh, and Michael's going to explain why he purchased this first 13 investment properties and how it prompted his career change. Now, the controversial parts. Michael discusses why most PMs are rent collectors and don't add any value to the industry, why most property managers don't understand investment tax, don't understand how to fill in an authority or how GST works and why this needs to change for the industry to grow. Why PMs make the mistake of positioning themselves as replaceable services like Jim's mowing, as opposed to a real profession like a GP, and why you should never pass, uh, you should never cross the path of a chef that is holding a knife. Now, I have to admit. While Michael does share a lot of challenges in the industry, he also backs it up with real ideas and how we can fix those problems. So this episode is really worth a listen. Anyway, enough of me talking. Let's go and roll it. Hello, everyone, welcome. We are here at the hot seat with Damien. How are you, Damien? Yeah, good, David, how are you?
1: And we've got Michael joining us uh, today. So thank hi, guys. you, Michael.
2: Yep. And you're here on the Gold Coast with us at the moment. Thank Absolutely. you for flying up. How's the weather? It's much better than Melbourne. Melbourne, at the moment, I called in to the family, and yes. uh, it's cold, it's wet, and the power was disconnected. There were storms coming through, so I think it's Wizard of Oz stuff. It's supposed to be tomorrow oh. in Queensland, I've heard. Uh, uh, it. Is well, it really? Yeah, there's a cold front. Maybe. So was it your fault? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've come up to the nicer weather, and it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't well received when I called back into to the family yes. to uh, ask how their day was going and the power's out and, and there's uh, no heating and there's no, it's cold and it's rain was coming in horizontally oh, no. so mm. um i'm pleased to be here is the is answer? <laughs> <the laughs> <yeah>, well, <laughs> well thank you very much yeah. for coming along and, and
0: answering a couple of our questions
2: absolutely my pleasure um,
0: and the purpose of this is really to get an understanding of your thoughts of the industry the history sure. you've had in the industry and where yeah. you see the industry going absolutely sounds cool yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so looking forward to it. Let's start off with first of all. Just give us a bit of a background about you know your experience and, and where you've come in through from the industry.
2: Sure, absolutely. So uh, I'll explain where I am today mm-hmm. and and how I've got to there. The, so right at the moment, I'm, I'm consulting, training, speaking, working with a lot of agency principals across yes. the country and New Zealand as well to try and make their business a little bit better. The reason why I set that up is when I had my agency, which was some years ago, uh, if there was somebody that was doing the same thing that I'm offering now, I probably would have brought them in and really, uh, really relished being able to have that peer support. So as an independent, mm-hmm. um, I never had that opportunity. So the background, my background initially was as a chef. So that okay. that really has nothing to do with this real is estate. A we hear this we hear this like, regularly. Yeah. So so here's the reason why I even bring that up is because it's a hospitality background yes. and and I feel that there are a lot of really good people in real estate that are from hospitality mm. because you people who do really well in real estate as uh, in uh, hospitality they have a servant's approach. Yes. So uh, and that's where I was yep. from. So I actually spent 15 years as a chef in some really good places, and uh, and then started buying property mm. from an investment point of view. Went into the investment market. So we're talking late 90s into the investment market, and uh, and then from that, my, in our first year uh, between myself, my business partner, and a close friend, we bought 13 properties and uh, realised that we're making all of us are yes. making more money out of the property growth than what we were out of the, um, out of the cooking, we're all cooking. Mm. And um, so from that we then went into, I then went into property management, into sales and and, and, uh, real estate.
0: Mm. So that's that's the background. I started in hospitality as well, going back many years ago. Have you ever thrown a knife at anybody as a chef? Uh, uh, Yes, (laughs) your honor,
2: (laughs) (laughs) but I plead not guilty. (laughs) Well, they they said that it was my fault that they threw on the knife at me because I was always in the front of house. Uh, well, you had to actually come in. So there was yes. uh, mitigating circumstances there. And I think, <laughs> I think that you, uh, I think if that was a murder charge, that would
1: be intent.
2: Yeah, that's mine exactly. might be a
1: manslaughter. Um, yes. yes. So I was <laughs> so, just, so, getting, I suppose, moving yeah. a little bit on away from, away from the cooking. Right away from, from, away from can, knives we can talk and... <laughs> yeah, 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 right. yeah. Have you ever stabbed anybody is the question. No, but I haven't
2: been kitchen. stabbed before. I, I, actually, I'll show you a, I'll show you a scar as well where I was stabbed uh, in the arm. And then, mm. uh. And then also uh, that was before service. So for yes. those that are listening that are, that are, pro- that are in, uh, in food, you'll understand that. So before service around 11, 11.30, uh, the chef, the head chef actually stabbed me in the arm because he mm-hmm. was messing about. Um, and then I was uh, quite upset. I was only an apprentice at this stage. Uh, back then you're allowed to do those things to apprentices. So uh, I got stabbed in the arm thinking, okay, straight off to hospital. And he said, Friday lunch, after, ho- after lunch. After lunch we can uh, you can go to the hospital. So after lunch, I've got a T-tail wrapped around my arm. After lunch, into, uh, into service, I said to him, okay, are we going off to the hospital? He has a look at it, he says, it's not that bad, jump on the tram, take yourself to hospital, I'm going to play golf. <laughs> Things have changed in the hospitality industry a
1: little bit. Well, a little yes. bit. <laughs> <laughs> So now back to real estate. Why are, we, why, why are we here? And I was actually and I was actually just thinking, geez, Ira's going to have fun editing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Ira going to have fun editing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what are you seeing as the biggest problems, and I suppose challenges, and, opp- and from there, I suppose opportunities in in the real estate property management industry right now. Yeah,
2: yeah. so, so my, my focus at the moment, Damien, is really in the property management space. So I'm trying to work specifically with directors. Mm. And I see that there are a lot of directors. So if I, if I sort of break it all down from the layers that I think are, are quite a complex answer to that question. But firstly, too many principals don't have the experience as being business owners. Mm. And as a result, they then take on staff and they feel as though they have to know the answer to everything. And they really struggle. They might have been exceptional property managers or exceptional salespeople, and then they go off and they think that they want to be a business owner. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw the same thing when I was cooking as well. So a lot of chefs then go out and become restaurant owners. Worst restaurant owners are chefs. Yes. Because they're great in the kitchen, but not good with the books. Property management and sales, to a lesser degree, are very much similar. So I think there are different skills that are needed to be a business owner than there are to be a great salesperson, a great yep. property manager. So I think that's the biggest challenge that we see at the moment. Mm. And where do you learn that? And the only place you can learn is on the job. And unfortunately, what happens is along the way that those people are then training staff mm. or um, trialing their business or testing their, the way, their skills and the staff become casualties along the way. Yeah. Yes. So we've all worked for people, and, um, and I, I know early in the piece, staff, my staff would have been saying the same thing about me. Mm. I had no idea what I was doing, and I was a really difficult person to work and with. And that's what I was going to ask, is how did you then make that transition to business owner? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I was not dissimilar. So my path has come through from a sales point of view, project yes. marketing, made some money, and then bought into a rent role. Now, here's the, here's the point that I'd like to really make. I didn't understand the rent role. Yeah. I didn't like the rent role. I didn't want the rent roll, but I knew it was the only asset that we had. Mm. So I liked the recurring income part of it, but I didn't understand it. So we hired somebody that was um, probably not somebody I would recruit now. Um, Mm. And uh, that person was running the business for us and uh, had a business partner and and that just wasn't working as Mm. well. So we weren't really... Neither of us should have been in the business of of property management, we were great at sales, but we owned the rent roll because we knew it was an extension. Um, I then got to a stage where when we moved those people on, uh, both my business partner and also the, the GM, that I sat down with the staff and said, I can't do any worse than we currently are at the moment. Hmm. So you need to help me. You need to teach me what it is I need to, need to uh, learn. And what I did was I actually surveyed the staff or I, I interviewed the staff. I said, what is the number one thing that you don't like about this place? Yes, unanimous, hands down, without any thinking, was me.
0: Mm.
2: It was me, I was the number one thing they didn't like. Um, And it was interesting because I had, uh, was about 12 staff at that stage, all 12 of them were consistent in the fact that I had no idea what I was doing Mm. and I made their job worse. How'd that feel? Um, Luckily I was fairly confident in myself, so I was able to to take that chink in the armour okay, Yes. um, but I now now see that as, as a real turning point for me because I was open enough and and it wasn't straight away. I can assure yeah. you of that. You know, you get your back up, you get defensive, and you, you think, well, hang on, I'm the owner here. My name's on the door. Um, but that's the that's the arrogance side of it coming through. And uh, we offer.
0: And, I was going to say, we offer anonymous feedback forms in our business. Yeah. Um, so people can people for can the staff. Offer the, yeah for the stuff so they can offer the feedback and uh, it gives them the opportunity to say what they really want to say. Sure. and there will be times where they'll just say something blase because something would have occurred. They don't like this person's shoes, they don't like that person's this, they don't like that. But if there's a consistent enough number of mentions about it and you know that it's valid, then you can actually start to address it. And it's an opportunity to go and improve what you're doing. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah,
2: getting feedback is absolutely huge. Yeah, so I was getting some fairly strong feedback and consistent feedback. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, um, so some learning. So I had to really have, have a look at myself. And uh, so again, cup in hand, went to the staff. And, and, and then these were some really turning, pivotal turning points for us in the business. Hmm. I asked the staff, what is it you don't like about the, uh, the business? Me, unanimous. I need to change. The next thing that I needed to look at was, what is it you don't like about your job? What were the things? List all the things that you don't like. Why? Because I didn't understand property management, and I said to them, it can't be that hard. Mm. And, and, and I was the owner. So, and again, it's not, I don't say it's arrogance, it's just pure ignorance or naivety. Um, why is it so difficult? Why do we have so many confrontations? Why are there issues at the start, and then issues at the back, and why aren't mm. the tenants paying their rent, and all these sorts of things? And So they sat down and they said, here are all the things that we don't like about um, the job, the place, the premises. Um, We had no idea what we were doing, so we made stuff up along the way. So that showed to me that we had a lack of systems and Mm. process. Um, So we developed those. Then we had to look at what are the things you didn't like about your job and they talked to us around all the, and we were furnished. So as a business, we had a lot of furnished, had right over 200 properties that were furnished. Yep. Now, most agencies don't want to touch yeah. furnished because they're problematic. Yep. So we exacerbated that. We, we actually elevated the amount of problems because we had no systems. So we then looked at it and said, well, let's develop some systems. Yep. So everything that we did in our business from there on in. So I'll talk, I, I had the business for nearly 10 years. The first five years were horrible. And if there's any staff that worked with me at that particular point in in time, I apologise wholeheartedly (laughs) because the next five years was fantastic. Yes. I started to buy into the staff and I really backed the staff. We changed a whole range of things. Um, Coming to conferences, I became a student. Yes. I really, what I wanted to do was I understood really, really quickly that I didn't know what I needed to um, know. So I started to seek those people out Mm -hmm. and they were across the country. Now, so we're 2018, those people are now really strong friends of mine and I do a lot of work with them. I either speak on their stage, I go to their conferences, I'm an advocate for them because some years ago when I was a person who was just at their coattails, Mm. they really gave me a lot of time. And so that's what I try to do now to agency principles. I I value the fact that I have some knowledge and I'm now trying to pass that back through to stop them going through what I went through.
0: It's also it's also a case in a lot of ways. I've
2: found in my
0: journey over the last twenty odd years as a business owner, on and off, that it's the stuff that you don't know that you don't know about. Sure. And then when you're when you're along at conferences and you're there, you know, being mentored, mentored by or guided by people, yep. that you'll come across this stuff. It's like I had no idea that I had to know about this.
2: Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. And and so so here's the thing as well, David. That when I didn't understand the risks associated with being a property management business owner, yes. I was okay and I slept really well. Yeah. <laughs> Once I understood the risks and then the fact that we didn't have systems for it or keys were just being left anywhere or we didn't know where the money was, it's, it's, I don't want it to make out as though it was as bad as... Actually, no, I will. It was pretty ordinary. It, yes. was, it got to yeah. a stage where I, even I didn't want to go to work on some days because mm. I knew that it was just going to be a bushfire after bushfire. Yep. So um, then I understood the risks. Yep. Then I had to fast track. To, to then develop those systems. And that was a two year journey for us. And we went from, um, it's, it's interesting, I say it's, it's from chaos yes. to award winning. So those people really helped us and we went from an absolute dysfunctional environment to two years later, mm. winning awards. And we've won awards for property management company of the year Um, and, and yeah, so that's, they're they're important things. And your
1: people on that journey? Yeah. Great people. Stayed stayed with you through that process? Yeah,
2: absolutely. So Damien, so so one of the things that I felt was really important for me was that, um, I was already, so, so there was a financial element that I was involved in the business. And I looked at it from the staffing point of view. How do I go about developing these people? So mm. um, I'm a big rap for making sure that uh, real estate agents are licensed. Yes. So we put through eight people through their uh, full license, Four. and we supported that through their full license. And, um, and, and I'm, I wasn't much older than this, but I still have a photograph of one of my um, sales PAs who'd been with us from property management. She started on reception property management. She was with me with marketing. She was my assistant for a period of time. The day that she got her license, we took photographs. I was like a proud dad mm-hmm. um, because she got her license because she stuck she stuck fat with the journey. Um, she's now still working with uh, some of Melbourne's really um, quite good real estate agents. And I know that I did the right thing by her. So yep. the staff went along through the journey. So I've got a lot of key staff that I'm still comfortable to say that I would consider that that they now my friends, yep.
1: yeah. So, what are you seeing as the biggest? Well, what what are the changes that you know that you're seeing that you think are going to happen over the next couple of years? There's a lot of talk about disruption in the real estate and more specifically property management industry. Um, what, what's your opinion? What are you seeing sure. out there in the marketplace? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Um, I, I think we're our own worst enemy, to be fair. Um, you know, I, I think there's a, and there's such a different layer of property management businesses. I'm working in a suburb at the moment, it doesn't matter which suburb it is, my office was in Richmond and, and there were 13 real estate agents in Richmond and Melbourne. So I was, I was, I was looking at this. So, first, you've got your immediate competitors. Who are my immediate competitors? And then we all had this race to the bottom. Who was charging low fees? And mm. so I made it real. I made a conscious decision at that point in time not to look at anyone else as a competitor, to look at them being the people who are following me. So I yes. set the fees that I needed to charge. Yep. So I think the biggest issue that we have in the marketplace now is. Um, Principals being willing to actually say this is what it's costing me to run the business mm. and charge appropriately for them, and then back themselves in for the service. Uh, so become above, become the cream on the top. Um, so that's the, I think the biggest issue is the fact that we're not charging enough for the services. Mm. So as a result of that, as an industry, we are letting ourselves down by trying to squeeze all the services that are required and, and, and the legislation and the, the new yep. tech technology and apps and all this sort of things, all, all of that needs to be squeezed into what I'm hearing is four and 5% management fees, yep. mm. yeah, which is just ludicrous. So Something um, has to give. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I think we are our own worst enemy in mm. the fact that. And here's the next point that I feel is a real issue, and it's something which I try and teach uh, in some of the workshops that I deliver. It's about understanding where you fit as a property management person, whatever role that is, leasing, BDM, owner, um, within the client's journey. Very few of us have an understanding of being an investor. Now, I came into this industry as as an investor, and the whole reason why I came into the industry is because I felt that I was able to offer services from what the customer wanted, Mm. So let's develop what the customer wants. Now I talk to property managers all the time. They don't understand investment. They don't understand tax. They've got no idea about Many of them can't understand how to fill in an authority. Yes. They don't understand how GST works. Now, is this their fault? We could blame them, Mm. Um, but it's just a lack of Kids coming out of school now don't understand how to work GST.
0: Yes.
2: They just don't understand that. So then you go and teach them uh, Part of my training was I was doing some work with uh, agents reps. And the biggest issue was trying to get people to calculate commission mm. on, on 10% of the GST. So as much as we're talking about disruption, as much as we're talking about Airbnb, and, and I've just come from a, a workshop now where someone's talking about AirTasker coming in and Airbnb and, and a number of other disruptions, I think the biggest issue that we have at the moment is trying to squeeze so many services into our low fees because we don't value ourselves as a profession. Yeah. We still see ourselves as a service. Yes. At the moment that, that, that paradigm shifts that we go from, um, from being a service, which is your gyms mowing and your lawn mowing and your, your garden keeping, mm. that's a service easily disposed of. That's a commodity to becoming a profession. Yep. The moment you do that, you never walk into your doctor. And, and ask your doctor to negotiate rates. Yes. And you never, you never once would walk into a doctor and then ask them and, and expect that they've never looked at their, their medical journals or they're, that they're not keeping up with professional indemnity and, and, and professional um, uh, training. You wouldn't expect that. But as mm-hmm. an industry, you can do a, a week's agent rep course yep. and then start and 25 years later and never had any more formal training.
0: Yeah. Yep. And that's right. And the doctor, doctor's really considered an authority in what they do. Yes.
2: Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Well, again, it becomes your profession. Yes. So the moment that we start to become part of that journey for mm-hmm. a landlord, then we're, we're then we're going to be paid for that. Yes. But we don't offer it. So many agencies are still out there, and as much as they complain, they whinge and they moan and they bitch about the fact that they're not that they they're just you know the expectations are just collecting the rent and finding a tenant. Mm-hmm. In the norm, a lot of them that's all they're doing. Yes. Because they're not adding other any other value to the landlords. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and the, it's an interesting thing. Some of our clients I know they they live uh, the real estate business as a lifestyle. Yes, and as a result, they create themselves. And I use the, the term authority beforehand. They create themselves in, as an authority. Absolutely, they're almost like the Lord Mayor of their or the Mayor of their area. So they're the go-to person when it yeah. comes to anything around property. And that positioning in itself, that comes with an associated value, and, they, and they're smashing it as a result.
2: And it's interesting. If you, if you um, and, and so our business, when we had the business, I felt as though I had an influence with and over the buying decisions of my clients. Mm. Yep. So if I had a property that was a really good property that I felt was a good investment, I would ring clients and say, here's the next property that you're going to purchase. Yes. Yep. Not are you interested in looking at buying property? Here's the next one, because I know what you're after. I know what you've got. I'm managing your portfolio in my structure. Mm. I know what equity roughly you've got because I know I was involved in the bu- the buying and the decision making there. Um, these are all working really well, so why not look at this opportunity? Yes. And and by doing so, even if I wasn't the person that they were buying the property through, I was certainly the person they were looking to put the management through because they knew that I had their best interest as a as part of that investment journey. Yep. Mm. And again, we we struggle to get uh, we don't teach that. Yes. Yep. So property managers aren't taught that. Property managers are taught to collect the rent, do a routine inspection, do a condition report. Oh. All those things can be taught by, to anybody, mm. but upskill, principals uh, need to upskill. Uh, <laughs> I'm, just, you I'm just passionate. Made, you I'm just, passionate here, no, Damien. No, no, yeah. no. <laughs> you
1: just made me remember a conversation we had the other day, so what, is the role, what, is the, what do you think property managers think their role is?
2: Oh, most, most of them don't see themselves as part of that journey. Is that where you're heading? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, it's, that, it's that whole investment journey, and, and, and if I could ask? Any property manager to ask themselves this question, if, you're, if your landlord is at a dinner party on a Saturday night, do you come up when they talk about in favourable terms, do you come up as the person, hey, you need to talk to my property manager, they're part of my, my team. Yep. Now, I'm involved in, I network a lot of people. So yes. if you came to me and you said, Michael, I'm looking for a really good finance person, I've got go-to people. Yep. Mm. If you're looking for a solicitor, I've got those people. If you're looking for a property manager, I've got those people. Yep. But in my experience, if you're not part of that, if you're not in the conversation at a dinner party, then you have no relationship. Yes. You're a service. Yeah. yeah. And property managers see themselves and as that's, providing and That's And
0: that's why I believe that we do outsourcing. That's yeah. why I believe people are scared of outsourcing because of that whole offering of sure. service as opposed to being a part of that conversation like you spoke about.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. And, and and obviously it's relatively new with me being involved in more taking on board and embracing offices with outsourcing. Yes. Um, and, and I say to the principals there, if you're looking to outsource, there's an education process that's needed in that first initial stages. Mm. But it's not the team overseas that need to be educated, it's you. Yes. It's you You need to feel comfortable that of what it is that you can let go of mm. now interestingly enough most of the stuff that they let go of they would have had no idea happens anyway yes so now we're just getting some sort of level of compliance and, and checklists that have actually worked so mm. yeah so hopefully that's giving you an indication of where i see um some of our problems and, mm. and again I, I, this is my 20th year I, I started the real estate in 98 yes um whilst i was still cooking and and um Started real estate, so I see myself. And the other thing that I I um, I think is really important is is property managers put themselves down a little bit because they see themselves as a property manager. Mm. And I always I always said to whenever I was recruiting and I did I really enjoyed working with younger people that are just starting out because they are fresh. And I'd, I was trying to influence them and say you're a real estate agent who works in this department. You're a real estate agent, firstly and primarily, Mm. and you need to take some ownership and respect for your own professional integrity. Because that's Mm. the only thing that you can control is your own professional integrity, your knowledge. Don't don't ever ask anyone else to try and teach you. Go out and learn. Mm. You'll be employable. You'll never get the sack if if the hole's that big that when you left, it couldn't be replaced. Yes. But if you go on holidays and no one really noticed, probably time to start looking for another (laughs) job.
0: Are you going holidays?
2: That's why I work for myself now. If I go, on. yeah, that's right. <laughs> and that was that was the other thing as well. And probably now, I um, when I sold the business and, and I sold the rent roll specifically so that I could develop some time with the kids. Yeah. And uh, my uh, both of my children were going through primary school at that stage, and my son was then going into high school. And I wanted to make sure that I was around for that year seven year and and. Um, I, I look around and, and I'm a th- a bit of a th- I'd like to think I'm a thinker. So I look around at a lot of real estate agents who um, have got really poor relationships with their kids, mm. really poor relationships with their partners, really poor home work-life balance. And, and, um, and I had a really good business. We had just won awards. The business was at its absolute peak and that's when I decided to sell. Yep. And I decided to sell because we chose to and, and I wanted to then go off. And it financially cost an enormous amount of money. To then spend that year, that year seven year, but that's a year seven year with my son that that I could never get back yeah, ever yeah, again if right. I didn't invest it. So uh, again, you need to be able to then you, know, you need to have a look around and say why are we in this business? Yeah. But what I did do yeah. was I then when I set up the consultancy, the the entire objective was that I didn't want to have permanent staff. Yes, all of my staff now are outsourced staff, and so I don't want to be in a permanent office. I wanna be in, a, in an office where I can float, yep. and if I do take two days off to go and watch the kids play a sport, um, no one's going to know. Yes. So whilst I'm on, I'm with clients, I'm 100% focused on what they're doing with them, but when I'm off, I'm focused on other things. So I think
1: balance is important. Yeah, definitely. So I'm gonna, suppose, wrapping it up. I thought um, you were gonna wrap me up. Well, I was, I was going to, I, I'm gonna ra- wrap you up. Um, so I'm, it, getting yeah. I'm
2: getting this. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what <laughs> the person there is saying.
1: <laughs> We're running out of tape. Put hell. another reel in. <laughs> <laughs> so how do people get in contact with you? I suppose it's, it's a great time for shameless plug if people... Yeah, need yeah to and what are you doing? What yeah. are you doing at the moment in business? Yeah,
2: so, so interestingly enough now, so what I've done is I've um, I've aligned myself with LPMA and they uh, it's their clients, the leading property Managers association, and I'm working as a consultant within myself. So my, my business is Roll Maximizer, mm-hmm. and I'm working specifically in training so, I'm doing a lot of training for corporate officers. So, yes. that's stand up 20, 50, 30 people standing in front of a, an audience and teaching the fundamentals, but with a little bit more of a twist. Yeah. Um, yeah, some of the training that I've seen is very outdated. And if I see another VCAT training, I'll, I'll just. I'll explode, you know, yes. the amount of times that we're seeing those. And it's the same old, same old. So, so I've run a, a number of different courses uh, that, are, that are different than I'm writing them, writing different material. Yep. So I'm delivering the training um, in office consulting. So mm-hmm. standing with the principal side by side in office at a desk with an mm-hmm. email with a profile and working with their staff. And, and I'm doing that as well. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the, the speaking. So yeah. And best way to get uh, in contact with you? Uh, probably through LinkedIn is the best way to do it, or, or through Facebook. Um, you know, and, and again, I'm not looking to try and go out and, and change the entire world, if mm-hmm. I can change an office at a time yes. and change right. the industry at a time. Um, I do believe, and you hear this a lot, and it sounds really corny, but um, this industry has given me an enormous amount of uh, uh, financial Success, um, and it's also allowed me to now have the flexibility to do a few more things. I'm still working in enormous hours, but a uh, little bit more flexibility. Um, and I think it's important if we can get the the people who are starting the industry to do things correctly. Yes. So I, I'd, anyone that's looking to try and bring on new staff, I have an onboarding process, yep. um, and they'd love to even just. I, I would be happy if they if they uh, shot me a message through LinkedIn and they wanted yep. me. Just I'll I'll send them the the whole 12-month onboarding process mm. uh, it's a checklist it's not it's not that overly detailed but most onboarding when i go into an office and i ask a staff member how long was your onboarding and it's generally somewhere between 9am was the start when they start on a monday morning and it generally stops somewhere around 9 10 10 on mm. that first monday morning our onboarding process that we've developed is a 12-month program um, and you should be onboarding your staff. If you want to look at staff retention, if you've got an issue with staff retention, which I did. Yes. Um, I I hated getting that little white envelope, which is, Michael, we really love working here, which is code for, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm out of here, which is code for, I can't wait. Yes. I hated that. So now we have a staff retention program.
0: Fantastic. And we'll, we'll link. <laughs> We'll link that in the uh, in the notes for everybody as well. So Yeah,
1: fantastic.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much, Michael. Really appreciate everything you're doing in the industry and spending the time to have a talk to us about your, about your business and where you're going now and where you're thank going you. in the future. And um, thank you, everybody, and we'll talk soon. Thanks for your interest. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Okay, thank you for listening to this episode with Michael. And before you go, I'd like to ask if you enjoyed this episode, you subscribe to our podcast, which you can find if you search for The Hot Seat wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review as they really do count. I also wanted to remind you that the hot seat is powered by affordable staff. And if I am 100% honest, I could not put together the hot seat without outsourcing every component. I literally record the footage that you're looking at now and the audio. I send it to our Philippines office and they do the rest. So thank you to our team, especially Ira. Okay, great. Thanks again. And we'll see you on the next episode of the hot seat.